You are listening to episode 192 of Shades Midweek. This is a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things shades. My name is John Mark DeRoe, and we are recording this episode here at Three Stream Studio in Homewood, Alabama on a dreary, rainy Wednesday midday here in January. A little break from the cold, too, which was nice. It was freezing last week. And today, I'm actually joined in the booth by a very special guest. So so Jonathan is not here. Brad is not here. Brad's prepping for youth tonight. Jonathan is celebrating his 20th anniversary uh, with his wife. And so he needed to not be here today for this. That would have just been... Ridiculous. So uh, glad he's getting to spend some time with Holly. And uh, I've got a special guest, and that is Sir Esquire Grant Primo. What's up? He's been on the show before. How many times does this make it now? Are you at the five-timers club yet? I don't know if it's five. (laughs) This may be... Three, four? Yeah. Three, four. Because you you did your meet a member. Mm -hmm. You were here for... One of the movies that we did. Yes. Uh, the Terrence Malick, um, Tree of Life. Tree of Life. And then I thought there was another yeah, one. Was there a music the, uh, one? Yeah, the um, Christian CCM? Christian music, CCM retrospective wow. episode. Wow. Just the best episodes. Yeah, so, so this is your fourth time, which I think makes you the, you have the most appearances of any guest here at Shays Valley, as far as I know. Oh, really? Yeah. Is four of the record? I think four. Yeah, I don't think Andrew has more. I know Andrew joined us for the Chicago Bulls one that we did on Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. and he's been on a meet a member. He's been on a few, but I think you have you have the most. So congrats! Oh, thanks. Yeah, we'll get you a plaque when you hit five. We'll do something really special. And I'll have yeah. to if you tell me before you invite Andrew on, so I can like take out his cars, so slash his tires, or something. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Keep my record. Well, for those who don't know who Grant is, uh, Grant is an elder here at Shades Valley. Uh, are you currently serving in your second term or is this no, still your first. first term? Yeah. So your first term, um, and him and his, his wife and his family have been going to shades here for many years. Now. How, how long has it been now? Oh gosh, like 10 years, something like 10 that. 10 years. Wild. Yeah. I mean, I guess you guys showed up probably a little bit after I, I started leading here. Yeah. Probably. Mm-hmm. Amazing. That's cool. We love Grant here at the show. Um, so today we're not going to do some of our normal segments. I don't have an album. Honestly, not a lot of music has, has been released yet. It's still early January. So it's kind of a slow time in music. Although I am, there's some stuff that's picking up some steam. There's some singles that I've listened to, some stuff that I'm getting excited about, but I'm going to save that for next week. And we don't have a book because Brad, can, can I here. do a book? Yeah, can let's I do, do a book. Let's do a book, Grant. Okay. I'm glad that someone came prepared here today on the show i'm definitely not prepared i just uh i've been thinking about this book um and in true uh brad fashion yes this is a book i haven't read oh man a book that's not even out yet (laughs) Um, so you don't even have a copy yet i don't even have a copy yet but i'm already excited about it it's uh the anxious generation uh, how the great rewiring of childhood is causing an epidemic of mental illness. So just real light reading, easy wow. stuff. No, uh, wow. uh, by Jonathan Haidt. Oh, I think yeah. that's how you pronounce his name. Yes. He's like a social psychologist. He's a real interesting guy. But um, yes. for it, it particularly Im- impactful for me as a parent of a preteen, 
the book is about why kids these days have higher rates of anxiety and depression and all that kind of stuff. Um, What was that? So there's a book that Brad actually featured on the book club that he wrote. I think it's the book that he wrote before this one that a lot of people have been talking about. And I, I haven't read it, but I know that it got rave, rave reviews. And this guy is obviously looked at as a as a, an intellectual and just, you know, has this ability to kind of speak to what's going on in our modern times and speaking to the culture and some of the things that we're seeing. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, but it, it comes out in, in March. And um, so he, he talks about how the book is going to investigate the nature of childhood, including why children need play and independent exploration to mature into competent, thriving adults. Wow. And he, he, he says that uh, society went from a play-based childhood, started declining in the 80s, and it was wiped out by the arrival of the phone-based childhood mm. in the early 2010s. So oh. It's, uh, and so he says the book covers what how that has interfered with children's social and neurological development from sleep, de- sleep deprivation to attention, mm. fragmentation, addiction, loneliness, social contagion, perfectionism. So uh, interesting wow. things for parents. Especially. Yeah, I think that'd be a great read. That'd probably be a good, a good book to do like a group study on, you know, read a chapter and have some discussions later. Um, it is kind of crazy to think about. I mean, we're so as, as adults, we're very attached to our phones now, but it's, you got to think back to our childhoods. There was none of that. And so we, we were, we definitely fall into that first category that, that you, that you mentioned there. Um, you know, there's this whole movement. I don't know if you've probably seen it. I think it's called wait until eighth or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's the idea of, you don't know, get them a smartphone. Don't get them a smartphone until yeah. they're eight, eighth grade, I think, yeah. or maybe ninth. Maybe it's after eighth. I can't remember uh, specifically, but we have some neighbors that are kind of going through that right now because they have a, a daughter that's in middle school, and so they've they've made that decision to wait until she's older to have a cell phone. And, and even then, you know, then you have to make decisions about social media and what yeah. kind of apps they're using and all that stuff. Yeah. So that's... Uh, that's good stuff. Well, Definitely need to check. When does that come out? Uh, did you, it comes did you out, uh, it? I think, March, uh, mid-March, March 26th. March 26th. So, All right. Pre-order yeah. it now <laughs> on Amazon. Recommending a book that's not even out yet. So <laughs> I love great. it. Good, good recommendation. I love it. Well, now I kind of want to do, uh, do a song or something. Now that now that you came in, because yeah. I didn't know you were going to come in with a book, but then that made me feel feel like I should do a song too. So uh, Yeah, let's just wing everything. I, yeah, right yeah, now. why not? I mean, this is what we do here. This is a part of it. I'm actually uh, trying to get my phone connected to the Bluetooth, so I'm stalling right now. Okay, here we go. I have a song that I'd like to share. It's not a full album. James album of the heard this grant i think so okay uh so one of my favorite christian artists and songwriters put out a single and he's got a new record coming out this year this is young oceans and the track is called somehow it's really really cool like a black hole
been pretty busy the last couple of years. You know, he did that kind of collaboration project called Color Vault yeah. with some other folks. You know, he's based out of Brooklyn. There was a time where I thought he moved to Nashville, so I actually don't know where he's at right now. But it's just cool to hear him. He's been cranking out music now. I think his first record came out in 2012 as Young Oceans. He had music before that, but as under the Young Oceans moniker, he's been putting out music for 12 years now. And um, it kind of gives me hope a little bit. You know, <laughs> like he, he's like an indie Christian artist, always has been. His songs haven't really gotten picked up. You know, not a lot of churches sing them on, on Sundays. And some of it's more like reflective and introspective anyways and it may not work for a Sunday morning context but it, it inspires me to continue making music because I, I would say that in the last six to seven years he's really hit this stretch this nice plateau of just continually to put out consistent great music yeah the last few albums so i'm excited about this one. yeah it sounds great I, the, the stuff he's done with color vault has been really fun yeah i've liked those it's albums. been a lot different yeah. like a little more experimental um the songs have a lot of different vibes you know uh some are more upbeat and uh a little more poppy too i feel like whereas this kind of feels more more in his young oceans darker yeah introspective type music but anyways check it out this track actually reminds me a lot of radiohead honestly it's the uh layered drums and some of the drum loops and chord progressions but check it out the single is called somehow it's young oceans that's my album of the week all right before we move on this is going to kind of get us to where we need to go here we're going to take a trip down to the email corridor been down to the email corridor? Is this a first for you, Grant? I mean, I know you write I have, to it a lot. Yes, I not physically. I feel like um, in spirit, I've been there a lot of times. This is my first trip, though, welcome. live in the studio. Yeah, welcome. All right, this actually, this email actually comes from Grant. Oh, wow. yes, yeah. yes. I like it already. Yeah. Now you wrote this uh, several weeks ago. Okay, uh, January fifth. It looks like. Now, for those who haven't been keeping track as of late or listening to some of the episodes, I'll, I'll catch you up to speed before I start this email. So Jonathan has decided, and, and we had announced on the podcast, he's decided to, <laughs> to take on um, the burden, as it were, of being an Auburn Tigers sports fan Boo. here in the state of Alabama. Now, this came as a shock to some. I know that Jordan Yarbrough, for one, was upset. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that Grant is now emailing in uh, with his opinions. I know that Jeff Stallcup was upset when we showed him the shirt that we purchased for Jonathan and Holly. That's right, we got him uh, some Auburn gear, some swag that he could wear. So this is in response to that. So just to catch you up, that's kind of what's been happening here in midweek world. We had a huge announcement, and uh, Jonathan Hayes signed with the Auburn Tigers. So <laughs> it sounds like you 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 is bought them NIL? off. Yeah, NIL buying them shirts. <laughs> no loyalty, just in it for the money. So all right. So the the email is titled Sports Break. Here's what Grant had to say. John, Mark, and Brad are such typical Auburn fans. 
gloating over Bama losing in the college football playoff after Auburn got curb stomped in the Transperfect Music City Bowl by a team with a turtle mascot. That's right, the Maryland Terrapins. Auburn truly is the ultimate little brother of college sports. Jonathan, are you seeing this? Do you really want to sign up to be a fan of the team that has so little to celebrate with their own program that they have to take scraps of pleasure from their rival, rarely losing? Choosing to be an Auburn fan over being an Alabama fan is like choosing a Milo's hamburger over filet mignon because you think it might be fun to laugh when the guy who gets to eat the steak gets a piece stuck in his teeth. There's still time to renounce Auburn and choose joy, praying you make the right choice. FYI, I have the definitive list of which dinner protein each SEC team is. For brevity, I'll just explain Alabama and Auburn. Alabama, the filet mignon, best of the best, super popular, gets the benefit of the doubt based on reputation. This is true. Some call it overrated, but know in their heart of hearts it's the best. Auburn, the Milo's hamburger. As far as fast food burgers go, it's pretty good. Every once in a while, you get one that tastes really good, but that's probably just because you were extra hungry. Often leaves you with indigestion. Thinks it's really unique because it uses a special sauce that people outside of the family, air quotes, just don't get. But come on, it's just barbecue sauce. Signed, Grant Primo. Well, thank you, Grant, for writing in. There's a lot to... That's a great email. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. A lot of truth, yeah. There's a Facts. lot to unpack. So, so a lot has happened. So, yes, Alabama did lose... In the college football playoff, Auburn lost in the Music City Bowl. I didn't know what Transperfect was until I started seeing commercials about it. Is it translation services? It's some sort of business service, yes. Mm. Uh, Perfect for football fans, right? (laughs) All of them like, I wish I could get this translated into Uh, German. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, So a lot to unpack. So here's the deal. Jonathan's not here, so he can't respond. And I'm not going to respond for him. He he'll, he's going to have to respond maybe next week on midweek. Is that acceptable? I mean, I, I guess he kind of bowed yeah. out here. Yeah. And Brad's not here. Brad <sighs> chickened out to even be here. Let it just scared. just as a he's side scared. note, you know, I brought Grant on so that we could discuss all this Auburn Alabama stuff, and I'll, I'll let all the Bama fans let them realize that I did not chicken out here. Yeah. I, I am here in person. I mean, it's not like it's a debate or anything, but but I'm here to have the conversation. Yeah. I am curious, uh, what are some of the other dinner proteins for the other SEC teams? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Georgia's probably fried chicken, you know, just solid. Yep. Sometimes spectacular, right. you know, but just kind of that solid. Uh, yeah. Arkansas's chili. You know, okay. okay. Start starts off good, but it turns really quick. Doesn't last. Yeah, it, it, and two, I think sometimes it's like there's all there's all many there's always like so many leftovers, and then eventually you just throw it out. Yeah, like yes. you can't finish it. Forget it. This yeah, season, just, this season's over. Right. Just move just on to the next. It. That's right. That's right. Um, Mississippi State is uh, catfish. You know, kind of bottom okay. feeder. Never going to win any awards. Yeah. Uh, but but actually pretty yeah. good sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, every once in a while. Every once in a yeah. while. Yeah. Uh, LSU, obviously, corn dogs. Um, <laughs> it has to be corn dogs. Even Katy dogs. Perry knows that. Like, no, I, yeah, I've got, I've got the whole list. Wow, that's amazing. Definitive. 
That's amazing. Um, yeah, you know, Milo's is pretty good, though, I will say. I, uh, I, I like Milo's. I went to Milo's, uh, when was that? Maybe last week. Got a burger. It was delicious. It was great. Yeah. They got the, the secret sauce, man. <laughs> it's in the song. See, here's... It's in the song. Here's my thing, though. Why... why Auburn is a Milo's hamburger. Uh-huh. Is because Auburn is always talking about how they're so unique. People outside <laughs> the family just don't get it. Like, you wouldn't understand these traditions. And uh-huh. then I'm like, okay, well, what, explain to me. What are the traditions? And, like, we have this uh, lemonade that we <laughs> like to drink. I'm like, yeah. we all got we, lemonade. We two, it's tumors. It's from a drugstore right there in the heart. So, yeah, real <laughs> special lemonade. But I just don't, yeah, I guess I just don't get it. Well, I would say that uh, Clemson is is like a faux Auburn. I feel like they've copied everything that Auburn is, and they just try to be that. And uh, sure, they've had some success in recent years with Dabo, but they've kind of gone back to just being Clemson. Yeah. Um, but like That's the true. color scheme, yeah. the mascot mm-hmm. is not even close to what Aubie is. I mean, their their mascot looks totally fake, totally just <laughs> drugged out of his See, mind. See, this is how deluded <laughs> Auburn fans are. Like, oh, we've got a super, super unique you, mascot. It's a tiger. Do you Like, know, there aren't 50 other tiger mascots in college football. Do you know how many national championships Aubie has won? Way more than our football team, all right? 11, to be exact. He just won one. <laughs> This year. Wait, national championships in what? The mascot Being a mascot. There's yes. a mascot national championship? There is. Right? He's won 11 times. Obby is fact. a good mascot. I'll say whoever plays Obby does a good job. But So Auburn <laughs> thinks it's unique like Texas uh-huh. A&M, but they don't have the guts to be like super weird like Texas A&M. No, Texas dude. A&M is A&M. weird. They do I weird, unique stuff. I can't deal with the A&M, man. I can't deal with it. It's too much. Yeah, yeah. but that's unique. That's unique. Well, so a few things have happened, and this is and this is leading into the the greater part of the episode. I thought so. We did get some blowback. You know, Jordan Yarbrough was concerned. Okay, we're we've got three staff people that are now all on Auburn's side. You know, where is the? It just doesn't seem fair. There's no balance. And then we reminded everyone on the podcast. We're like, well, actually, our elder board brings a lot of balance. Uh, you've got Grant, uh, mm-hmm. Alabama alum. Mm-hmm. You've got Chris Cargile, who actually I think is an Auburn alum, but huge Alabama fan. Yeah. Um, and then you've got uh, Jeff Stalkup. Mm-hmm. And so I think that Andrew's an Auburn guy. Um, Matt Theus, you know, I think – Brad said he's an Auburn guy, but, I mean, he, he went to Baylor. He's like a yeah. Baylor alum, right? I mean, yeah, that's – that's, so. so the elder board brings a lot of balance to this whole thing, and so I wanted to bring Grant on. And, it's and the most crucial thing in church governance. <laughs> Make sure you got balance in college football fandoms. Listen, I wanted to throw a bone to all the, the Bama fans that listen, and we're going to dedicate an entire episode mm. to the GOAT, Nick Saban. Oh, yeah. Okay? I expect this to be the most serious and reverent episode of... <laughs> Shades midweek ever. This is like Tanisha's worst nightmare. <laughs> come sorry, come Tanisha. Yeah. This is like the worst thing she she could sign yeah. up for. Might just um, want to skip this one. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna like this one too much. So after the college football playoff, after Bama lost, 
to Michigan. Michigan goes on to win uh, the national championship. They beat Washington. Uh, a few days later, when what, what do you know the date? Do you have the date off the top of your head? Oh, it was a win? It's a Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was like the tenth or eleventh. I think it was the tenth. Yeah. Wednesday, January tenth. Uh, for me, I am uh, in my kitchen doing some dishes. And we actually had, Zion had basketball practice that night. And my phone just starts going. Like, I look down and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've got like 30 missed text messages. Something has happened. And so my phone's going off, going crazy. So I take a break from doing the dishes. And I scroll to the top, the most recent, or the not the most recent, but the first text message in the thread that has caused all of these text messages to come through. And it's a... Twitter link from Chris Lowe of ESPN saying that he's got reports that Nick Saban is retiring uh, as of today. To be honest, I did not believe it at first. Two different, I had two different group texts that sent me the same Twitter link. And my first response to both of them was, is this real? (laughs) Because, I, you know, the Twitter accounts, there's been a lot of fake Twitter accounts that yeah. have been, like, trolling people a lot. And so you can name your account Chris Lowe, mm-hmm. for example, who's an ESPN guy. But in the bio, it would it could say parody account. But if you didn't see that in the bio, all you saw was the name, and then they tweet something yeah. crazy, yeah. and then you pass it along to everyone. But it turns out it was very real. Yeah. And I was I was shocked to be to be frank. I mean, I, I think in fifty years people are going to look back and say, like, where were you on the moon landing, and when nine eleven happened, and when Nick Saban retired, and all yeah. in the same similar gravity uh-huh. of those situations. Uh-huh. I know I was at work. Somebody banged on my door in my office, <laughs> and they're like. Saban retired. Stop working. <laughs> stop, stop it. Stop the press. Yeah. No, I'm sure some judges like crazy. you know cancel like hearings. <laughs> Everyone get out, lower the flag to half mast. Stop what you're doing. I mean, it was kind of I mean, look, he he's what, 72, right? Yeah, something Is like that. Is that right? Mhm. So, we knew this was coming at some point, you know, he's not he probably wasn't going to coach into his 80s. I you know, I still thought you know, I was like, man, he's probably got 3 three years left at least, three to five maybe, depending on how things go. But I also, in the back of my mind, thought this year in particular, if if he if they won the national championship, I felt like that would that would have been the right time to just be like, I'm retiring now. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I was, I was taken by surprise because I didn't think yeah. it would happen after this last year. But you could see the last couple years, yeah. he's just physically looked – I like a seventy-year-old. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though from his hair that is <laughs> that is always perfectly what is he brown. What with his hair? <laughs> not a touch of gray <laughs> in it. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he, he's he's looked more like a seventy-year-old, and he and he's kind of softened the last couple of years too. He, he doesn't seem to have the same fire. So in retrospect, all the signs maybe were there that. Yeah. That he was slowing down and yeah. ready you, to be when done. You, when you start to think about it, you think about this year in particular, the season that, that Alabama had, and you think about the early loss to Texas, and then even you know even some of the games that they won, you know there was, I mean the A and M game was very close. I think A and M had the lead at the half. Tennessee had a big lead at the half. 
Um, so, it, it, you know, even for me, just kind of on the outside as an Auburn fan watching some of the Bama games this year, I felt like ah, this team is just really different for a Bama team. You know, they, they obviously on paper have all the talent, but there was just something that uh, I guess that took a while for them to figure out as the season progressed, which is feels kind of rare because most of the time Bama just comes in and they're just like dominating from yeah. the get-go. And this year felt different. Well, I, I mean, Saban obviously is built different than a lot of people. I mean, he I think he enjoys working the 14, 15-hour days or whatever he's doing. Right. But I just I can't imagine doing that at 72, yeah. 73. Like, right. especially when you're like a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. And yeah. like, well, I, well, wasn't that one of the big that. indicators that people were pointing out that he had bought that house? In Florida, that was like yeah. a big, you know, thing. Like, oh, he's getting ready, you know. And so, th- but that's like his second or third. I mean, he's ha- he's ha- he's got a he's, bunch of beach houses in Lake. House. Ha- he's like five years ago, he bought it. He bought a huge like beach house or lake house that I think he sold and then bought this one. And everyone wow. five years ago was like, oh, he's about to retire, right? But yeah, it didn't happen. Well, so he retires. Um, we'll talk about kind of where we think Alabama and the SEC and maybe even college football is headed uh, later. But let's just talk about Nick Saban. So Nick Saban, uh, I'm not going to go through its its whole history. This is not meant to be exhaustive. We are not experts. Um. Hey, <laughs> I have driven Bear Bryant's golf cart, so speak for yourself about being an Alabama football expert. Hey, I have watched a lot of football, so that makes me an expert of sorts. Um so Nick Saban, he spends some time. Let's just start at Michigan State. He's in the Big Ten. Spends mm-hmm. some time at Michigan State, winning some football games. LSU hires him. I guess in the about the what the early two thousands is when he comes on staff at LSU. Yeah, something like that. Um, he wins a Natty with LSU yeah. in two thousand and three. I think that's right. Two thousand two, two thousand three, somewhere in there. He wins a Natty. That that was his first one. Um, had LSU ever won one before then? I think they had. Like in the forties yeah, or something. Yeah, sometime like that. a long time ago. So so LSU wins a Natty, and then he he takes an NFL job. Like right after that's over, he he bolts for the NFL, and he. <laughs> He uh, takes a job for at the Miami Dolphins, right? And he's there for what two years? That's right, two seasons. And yeah. he gets fired. He didn't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> a typical Auburn revisionist history. Okay, sorry. He was, so sorry, he doesn't get fired. He wanted. He wanted Drew Brees. He wanted yes. Drew Brees. The Dolphins thought he wasn't healthy enough. Obviously, Drew Brees went on. Yeah. To be great at that point, I, I don't think Drew Brees was like established as like a, you know, solid NFL starter, but right. went on to do really well for the Saints. But he wanted Drew Brees, didn't get him. Realized, you know, NFL is not really his jam, and right, rest is history. Came back to Alabama and <sighs> yeah. started rewriting record books. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he is at the Dolphins. Alabama is just going through one of my favorite periods. <laughs> <laughs> uh they had the uh the mics i love all the mics mm. and um they had the mics they had francione uh who couldn't handle the pressure i guess of being in alabama and ghosted a&m one of the oddest uh coaching moves i, I would say well, after so, a good year too i, I feel yeah. like he had a decent year and then he's like oh, i'm on a&m well so he knew though that um 
NCAA sanctions were coming down because Alabama right. in that time right. paid Albert Means uh, or Booster Albert pays Means, Albert Means one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which yes. according to Dion won't even get you a uh, walk on these days. But that was a huge totally scandal. Legal now, Alabama almost gets the death penalty. But I remember yeah. so. His, I remember listening to Feinbaum as like a teenager when yeah. all that's going down. My parent, my dad would listen to it in the car. <laughs> well, he he made up these shirts. I actually had one. I think it's gone though. But he made up these shirts that said like "Hold the rope" and was like trying to keep all the players on the you know you. to stay firm after the um, after the NCAA sanctions came down. And yeah. but I went to school with uh, Coach Fran's daughter. Oh, wow. And I remember I was the nurse's assistant. You had to check out. Like, you had to come to the nurse's office to check out if you wanted to leave. And so she came into the office, and she's like, I need to check out. And I was like, okay, why? Because we had to write down the reason. She's like, don't worry about it. I'm not coming back. And I was like, wow. What? And she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. I'm not coming back. Just let me, you know, just let me check out. So I, like, checked her out, and I didn't really think much about it. But then that night it came out. Oh, my They started gosh. reporting that he was leaving and going to Texas A&M. But, Dang. Um, I, I think he got out of town knowing that yeah. Alabama was going to be bad for the next couple of years because of the sanctions. Yeah, because so what they do, they took some uh, scholarships away and some things like that. Yeah. Some visits yeah. probably, stuff like that. It was a uh, like a bowl ban for one or two years. Yeah. I know, because then Alabama just scheduled Hawaii for like oh, after that. the Iron Bowl. I remember that. That was super weird. Just did a, really fake, weird. a fake bowl game. <laughs> um and uh, yeah, a lot of scholarship reduction. Like lost like twenty scholarships the first yeah. year or something. And so it was it was rough times with the mics. Our uh, one of our state senators was the head coach at Auburn during this time. <laughs> Can't say that I am uh, super proud of where he's gone. But at this time, man, we were just rolling. Auburn was just like living the life. He won, beat Alabama six years in a row. Mike Shula was the head coach. So then Bama fires Shula. He was just abysmal. And they're looking for a new coach, 2007. And Rich Rodriguez was actually kind of number one on the list, right? Well, I, I think Mal Moore, the athletic director at the time, mm -hmm. I think he went down and tried to get Saban. And Saban basically said, no, I'm not coming. And so then they moved on to other candidates. Rich Rodriguez, I think, was offered the job yeah. and had maybe even accepted Which it. Which was a hot name at that yeah. time. Mm -hmm. It was a hot name. And then Feinbaum again. Somebody comes on Feinbaum, <laughs> makes fun of his wife, talking oh about gosh. maybe she's ugly or something. Oh, my gosh. And that tanks it. Like, And then he doesn't come, which is whoever whoever made that comment deserves you know some like money from alabama right? or something because that saved them from who knows maybe rich rod would have been good but he probably wouldn't have been nick saban i don't think he would have been nick saban at all i don't even what is rich rodriguez doing right now what is he gosh i mean he was the michigan coach for a while yeah and yeah. then he went to arizona yeah i don't know what he's doing now man well the rest is history because nick saban would be hired by Alabama to become the next head coach. That first year was rocky, as to be expected. A program that had kind of been coming, out, you know, out of the ashes, so to speak. And uh, that was the that was the last time that Tuberville would beat Alabama was that year in two thousand and seven. And then in two thousand and eight, uh, it started what would be sixteen straight years where Alabama would win at least ten games every year. <laughs> Ridiculous. From 2008 to 2023. I think that's right. I think that's mm -hmm. 16 years. 
And, uh, I mean, just inst- instant impact. I remember that first, that recruiting class, dude, and all those players came in. And who you got Julio Jones and, what, Mark Ingram and, like, all these guys. And yeah. just like, dang, this is this is bad. And I remember they spanked, they spanked Auburn in the Iron Bowl in 08, like 36 to nothing or something like that. And Tuberville got fired, and I just thought, wow, this is – this is not good. Yeah. This is well, not good. One of Saban's legacies should really be how many other coaches he got fired, especially in the early years. Like, yeah, he got so many coaches fired early on. I mean, you could say he changed the coaching landscape, as it were, in college football because it started a whole string because of the firings, and then the money that he was able to make after w- being so successful. I mean, now all the other uh, schools had to play catch up, yeah. And so I think it's created him and Jimmy Sexton, uh, <laughs> his agent, and many other uh, coaches' agents. I, I think, I think he like kind of created this whole new system of like college football coaches actually getting paid tons and tons of money. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is it was kind of scandalous that he was getting paid four million dollars a year when he started, which now. <laughs> It's sounds like, like a joke. That's like, like Harson got paid more than that for his first year. <laughs> I mean, now the the top coaches are making ten million dollars a year. Yeah. It's so it's you pay the a coach four times changed. that to buy him out and not coach now. Right. It's, yes. Yeah, it's crazy. The whole marketplace changed because of because of him. Yeah, and so he goes on to just an epic run. I mean, the the seventeen years that he's at Bama. They win six national championships. I don't know how many SEC championships. Probably what eight or nine. Probably. Uh, I don't remember Wikipedia. exactly. I think it's like seven, six or seven. It's not that many more than national championships. Wikipedia says nine SEC championships. Oh. Oh. Pretty good. <laughs> um. He only had two seasons with more than two losses. Yes, which I think is crazy. So he had the uh, the 2010 year, mm-hmm. which was the Cam and, Newton year, and the 2007 year, and the two that in his first year. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, that's just it'll never be done again. That's it. Just will not happen. Fifteen consecutive seasons reaching number one. While he was here, which is yeah, th- yeah. This uh, this was one thing from 2008 up until his retirement. Saban's teams have spent part or all of each season ranked at least top four in the national polls. Yeah, that's out of control. And at one time there was there was this other stat I heard, um, and maybe you have some other stuff too. But it was like maybe up until this year, uh, every let's see. If if you committed to Bama and you played, you won a national championship at your time at Alabama. Yeah. Uh, it, like every recruiting class cycle, I yeah. think this year was maybe the only year where that didn't happen. Because I think you had some three-year players that declared for the draft that would have yeah. been freshmen in 21, so they never mm-hmm. won a championship. Well, I th- yeah, I think it's every player who stayed for four years won a national that's, championship. That's it. That's it. I mean, some Insane. other crazy ones. The two longest streaks of being a favorite in NCAA history are both <laughs> under Saban. Because there was, like, one game in, like, 2014 or something where they were an underdog to Georgia and beat them by, like, 28. And beat them, yeah. yeah. Um, only one loss to a team outside of the top 20 since 2008. That is absurd. And, That's and absurd. Second place is Ohio State with 10 losses to, oh to teams. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, which is kind of crazy. 
in each of the last five NFL seasons, there's been enough former Saban players to field a full 53-man roster. Uh, now, did they have a kicker, though? They do. Uh, well, there's not a kicker. They, I know they have, they'll have a kicker. J.K. JK Scott, the punter, punter. Can, he, he, he can, can kick. kick. Okay, he can okay. kick. All right. Um, since 1910, only five teams have had at least five consensus All-Americans. Three of them were Sabins at Alabama, so that's pretty good. Um, and uh, you talked about this a little earlier. Uh, More 10-win seasons under Saban than Auburn has had in its history. Oh, thank so, you, Grant. That's yeah. making me sick right That's now. a good one. Just want to throw up everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and, you know, you talk about recruiting, and recruiting is obviously what makes a team good. You've got to have, you know, you hear this a lot, and the, the saying goes, it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and Joe's. And Saban knew that. And if you look at recruiting classes, uh, I mean, he was consistently either number one in the country or number two pretty much every year since yeah. since he started at Bama. And when you develop that type of talent, when you have that much depth, you just don't lose a lot of games. Um, it just does not happen, and you win a, a lot. And, you know, the thing that's – I think the thing is most impressive, and coaches – it's just so hard for coaches to do this, but it's the consistency of it. So like sure it you know he he won six titles he's not going to win a title every single year, but they were still in the conversation basically every year except for that 2010 year. I mean maybe there was like 2019 I guess the year that LSU won you know Bama was kind of maybe out of it at the end of November, but rare I mean. How, you know, they had playoff appearances almost every year since mm -hmm. the college football playoff has come in. And uh, so they've always been like one game away or in the game itself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, either losing or one game away from being in the game, which is just out of control. And coaches just – it's just so hard to do that. Yeah. The consistency of it. I saw something that was like Alabama was either the national champion or the national champion beat Alabama like yeah, every year since up. 2008. <laughs> Except for like one, there was like only one year where the national champion wasn't Alabama or a team that beat Alabama. So it's they, yeah, they were they were right there in the the thick of it the whole time. That is, it's just out of control. I mean, I think that's that's what like so for Auburn fans during all of this, this is why when Bama loses, it's like they go and roll tumors or something. This is why when Nick Saban retires. Uh, yeah, they, it's just ecstatic. It's just celebration because we haven't seen it a lot. What was his record? What was his record at Alabama? Let's see if we can find that. Yeah, like 202, 203 wins. And what, 29 losses. 29 losses in yeah. 17 years. <laughs> it's just unprecedented. Crazy. It's just, is he better than Bear? Grant? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. You know, for the I know that was always like this conversation amongst Bama fans. I mean, it was for the first like maybe three years. That uh -huh. I think once Saban won his first or second national championship, it was like okay, he's probably he's probably better than Bear, right? Which was crazy because I never thought anyone would admit that. 
Yeah. Growing up an Alabama fan in Tuscaloosa, it was like everything was about Bear, Bear. Bryant is, yeah. you know, this huge, almost mythical figure. Right. Um, but yeah, Saban, I, th- I don't think anyone or most Alabama fans, I, I think, would say he's he was the best. Yeah, it's crazy. What do you think about people going and putting oatmeal cream pies at his statue in Tuscaloosa, Grant? I don't know how I feel about this, this idolatry that's going on in this state. Uh, I wouldn't call it idolatry, more like honoring. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. It was a, That was a little weird. It was like he died or something. He's, he didn't die. He's still, like, alive, and he's well, actually. He's doing well. Uh, yeah. It was like a, there was, like, candles out there. So it was weird. It's like, is, is he lost in a well? Uh, did he die? Like, what do we... I think people just people have emotional connections to college football and to Saban yeah. in particular, and I think they, you know, wanted to do something, and yeah. so the weirdest thing they could think to do was put an oatmeal cream pie at his statue. It's kind of weird to have a statue of somebody who's alive anyway, a little bit. It is, it is strange, isn't it? Yeah, it's like they went ahead and built it. They're like, build it right now. Yeah, that would be. I think that'd be odd for the person, maybe. I don't know. That, that's why this. I don't allow anyone to make a statue of me personally. Right. So, ah, that'd be too. Lots of offers. That's but a good, yeah. That's a good thing to live Turn by. It down. Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot about all the crazy things that Saban did. You know what's interesting is that most SEC schools, uh, I think he had a winning percentage against all SEC schools during his time. He actually ended on a winning streak every single SEC school too, because he beat he beat every SEC team he played the last time he played them. That's crazy. Yeah, that freaking fourth and thirty one, dude. <laughs> I swear, dude. It just it just never ends. It's I, just like how can you let that happen? It was our mo- that was our chance. It was like Auburn beat Bear in his last Iron Bowl. And it was there yeah. for the taking. There for the taking. And we Blew rushed it. two people. I don't. <laughs> and they barely even did anything. It was like they were making a sandwich out there. I don't know what we were doing. And then on top of that, if you are in any sort of prevent defense and the other team has to score a touchdown, there's no. Alabama couldn't get a first down. They needed a touchdown. So you should be standing there. As a defensive back, staring at the quarterback, and then when he throws it, just go to where the ball's going, and our guys were like turned around. How I, I just good play call. But in my you opinion. see, <laughs> but you see what we have to deal with here. This well, is why we I, are the way that we are. Yeah. How, how do you how do you feel now as an Auburn fan? I mean, is does it weird? Is it weird? Not being as miserable, yes. knowing that Saban's <laughs> gone. I mean. Felt like an injection of life, Grant. It felt like I had a new lease on life. I don't know it, what you guys was, are going to do. It was not it was. a 9-11 for me. <laughs> it was, I don't know what, I, it was like, the. oh my gosh, they have defeated Hitler is what it felt like. It's like, the troops are coming home. <laughs> <laughs> Victory over Alabama day. <laughs> Uh, no, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be weird. Here's the thing. I, I will say this in all seriousness. Like I, I love college football so much and I, I'm never, you know, there's some Auburn fans out there and maybe some people at other fan bases that maybe they disliked Saban or whatever. I, I never really disliked the guy. In fact, there would be many a times 
over the years where uh, me and my brother, we connect big time on college football. We would just sit there and watch like Saban rants during <laughs> press conferences and just die, just <laughs> laughing at the things that he would say. And so I always appreciated him for all of that. I, I mean, listen, I never wanted to lose, never wanted my team to lose to yeah. him ever. Uh, and loved seeing him get angry on the sidelines whenever he would just get, get irate. That would just bring me so much joy. But I never disliked the guy, um, and I am a big enough man to say, to sit here today as an Auburn man and say, that he's the greatest of all time, coach in college football. There's no You cannot – I'm not trying to, you know, be kiss up to anybody or anything like that. I'm just saying you have to look at the facts – and until somebody does what he does, and maybe somebody like Kirby Smart or something will do that, I don't know, uh, they're not going to be the greatest of all time. It's just like the Michael Jordan effect. It's like, I don't care. You could yeah. be the biggest Pacers fan or the biggest, you know, Suns fan or whoever he he beat in the playoffs. Like, dude, he's the GOAT. Like, yeah. sorry. It I, just is. I think most Auburn fans are pretty reasonable about yeah. it. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot. I mean, obviously don't like him, don't want him to right. beat your team, yes. but yes. I don't think any of them are like, he was a no-good coach. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, he, he sucked anyways. <laughs> I was like, no, not really. I, I am interested to see where this all goes. So uh, do you have anything else about Saban, anything you'd like to share? Uh, uh, no, I don't think so. Public letter you'd like to read or anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, we you know, Saban and I, have the same birthday October oh, really? 31st yes oh, so yeah, that's right. yeah so now that now that he's retired maybe we can finally have our uh, co-birthday party at Super Skate together there you go you know, he'll finally be freed up okay here's a fun one what's your favorite Nick Saban moment could be a game that he coached that he won could be something that he did or said could be a player that he re- what is your favorite moment during his tenure my favorite <laughs> so i know the story about sabin that is uh we get a ma rating if i <laughs> if i repeat it <laughs> let me see if i can summarize it in a way that doesn't get us uh some sort of censored um he was talking to football players about who they associate with and telling them that like there's a lot of people out there who have a lot less to lose than you do um, like trying to encourage football players not to mess around with people who might be willing to get into trouble or might be willing to do things that a football player who, if they do something that gets them into trouble, is going to make them like lose their scholarship or lose their position on team or get them get them suspended or something like that. So he's he's telling the players all this and he, and to to like bring it home, give them an example of of what he means by this. He says, you know. I, I'm, I'm only going to associate with people who have more to lose than I do. If I'm going to go mess around and cheat on Miss Terry, it's going to be with Hillary Clinton, not some <laughs> random floozy. Which, what a random <laughs> <laughs> The fact that he chose Hillary Clinton is like, I guess, yeah, she has more to lose than he does right. if it comes out. But, like, just such a funny story. <laughs> what made him think about that, I wonder? What what made made her pop in his head? That is just that kills me. My favorite Nick Saban moment is when he asked for one second to be put back on uh, the clock. <laughs> yeah. That was 
Of course. That was <laughs> every Auburn fan. That was my uh, in that moment. That was I just thought that was a great coaching move. I thought that was a really good decision on his part. Um, you know, I think I think after looking at that because we you, we had talked about his uh, records against the SEC teams. I think LSU and Auburn, and I'm just specifically talking about his time at Alabama. I think those teams beat him the most out of any other team that he played, and I think those teams beat him five times each, and that was it in 17 years. Yeah. No, I, th- I think Auburn's number one. I think Auburn has the most wins against Saban at Alabama. We, um, was, we had 07, we had 2010, uh, 13, so that's three. We had uh, 19, but I think that was it. Yeah, I think that was five times. Okay, here we go. Career record against every SEC team. Uh, I mean, it just goes to show the nature of the rivalry uh, with right. with Auburn that you know he loses. Now we should have beaten him two more times, and and, and you know Harson. If we didn't have the guy from Idaho as our coach, and we had you know Bonix and I got injured. There's a good chance we win that game, but we, instead we had an injured T.J. T. Finley and the guy that coached at Boise State. So, you know, and we still went into four overtimes with the dumb rule where you have to go for two. I mean, what, what is this? So Auburn should have beaten him two more yeah. times. We left that on the out there on yeah. the field. And it's really it's a big disappointment. Auburn was uh, five wins, nine losses to Saban. Five and nine. LSU was four and 11. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So Auburn had the most most wins against them. Ole Miss had two wins against them. Um, wow. Georgia oh, only yeah, had Miss. one. Yeah, who was the coach at Ole Miss when that happened, uh, Grant? When they beat? When it, uh, uh, <laughs> I I don't know. That it, was <laughs> it, it was some guy who got fired for some uh, improprieties. Yeah. Had to spend some time at some other school. And, then, and then he went to the Lord and asked oh, for forgiveness God. and... <laughs> His family forgave him, stayed, stood by his side. Sue Freeze, for those of you who don't know. Um, well, so after Saban retires, there's obviously all the tributes come out, the interviews, and then the Alabama coaching search starts immediately. That was kind of weird to see, too, because at the same time, you're, like, honoring this guy. And it's rare these days, too, that a guy – in college gets to go out his own way and retire without yeah. getting fired. Yeah. You know, it's very rare. And so it's it was weird because everyone was trying to honor him, but at the same time the whole conversation also moved to, well, who's next? Yeah. And where is this going? And so but yeah. I mean thoughts. Alabama fans are we're like we're like Job, you know. <laughs> we're right in the middle of the book of Job. We're weeping. Uh-huh. Gnashing our teeth, tearing our clothes. Right. All the Auburn fans are like Job's wife telling us yes. to curse God and die. <laughs> but you know what? I am believing that just like Job, God's faithful servants, the Alabama fans, are going to be, you know, restored twofold what we did have. Uh-huh. You know, Saban retiring got me out here with the happen. prosperity gospel. <laughs> I'm naming and claiming some. You know, national championships. I'm binding the spirit uh, of eight and four teams wow. out here. Wow. All right. Um, well, yeah, so, I mean, 
the conversation changes to the next coach. You guys hire this dude from Washington that nobody had ever heard of two months ago. Um. <laughs> Except he won the Coach of the Year award last year. Just that, okay, yeah. all right. So that that little thing. Yeah, what was he? He was like a North Dakota State or something. What was the South Dakota? What was it? What was? He? <laughs> It's not North Dakota State. They've won <laughs> national championships. Not that team. It was like another team. It's in the Dakotas. It's mm-hmm. an NAIA team that he was uh, at. Then he went to Fresno. Yeah. He was OC at Indiana. Came back, was head coach at Fresno. Fresno State, yeah. Head coach at, at Washington last couple yeah. years. Yeah, so he make he makes it to the national championship this year. They lose to Michigan. Michigan, you know, they, they handled that game pretty it was, you know, it was kind of close at halftime and then Third and fourth quarter just kind of got away from him. Um, so he becomes the new, the next head coach. And then they say that Nick Saban's going to have an office there. How would you feel if you're the new guy coming in and Nick Saban's still hanging out around campus? I mean, what's you got, going on? You got to, you got to use that resource, right? I mean, do you think he, do you think he's into that? I mean, maybe a little bit, but what's he going to say? No. <laughs> Sorry, Alabama. I don't want the the best college football coach of all time to give me an advice. I probably yeah. could do it without him. I'm yeah. I'm smarter than him. Right, right. I, Saban doesn't seem like the type who's going to like micromanage. Micromanage, yeah. And plus, he's going to be too busy probably on like college game day or something, like doing broadcasting or. I am wondering something if, else. if he's got a deal worked out with ESPN coming up this year. I I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up, you know being on on tv a lot this he fall. does a good job with it you yeah. know that year he was in the what was it the year that georgia one of the years that georgia won and he was i guess it was last year halftime stuff and pregame he does a good job with it yeah could be cool um what how do you think this new coach is going to do how many years does he get <laughs> <laughs> see this Everyone has short memories, especially Auburn fans, like acting like, oh, Nick Saban's gone. Alabama's back to mediocrity. Uh, like uh, we had never won anything before Saban sure. came, except like we were already one of the most, you know, winningest programs in college football history uh, before Saban even got here. So sure. uh, I don't think anything's going to change. Just okay. Keep going, national championships. Really? Yeah. You oh, just yeah. think it's, there's just no. No issues whatsoever. No issues. They're not going to have a – so when he has his first nine-win season, they're not going to revolt and egg his house and ask him to leave Tuscaloosa. Like Alabama fans famously have a lot of patience and uh, are very reasonable about uh, the team. So, yeah. The, Alabama's got a tough schedule coming up this year. There's, uh, I believe – off the top of my head, I could be wrong, but I think there's away games at Tennessee, at LSU, at Oklahoma. Georgia comes to Tuscaloosa. Yeah. There's some tough games on that schedule. You got to play at Wisconsin, which, you know, it's Wisconsin. I mean, it is yeah. what it is. But I wonder, you know, you don't have the goat on the sidelines anymore. It's going to feel different. Uh, it's definitely going to be different. And, and you know, I, I think he'll be given four years. I, yeah. Unless unless it's like a six-win season, I think he's got at least four years. And I, I think he's a good enough coach that winning can, can win 10, 11 games a year with the yeah. right players. But he, he's, I mean, realistically, he's not going to do what Saban did. I don't think anyone's going to do that anytime soon. Um, yeah. But – you know, when Saban came, nobody thought he would be as good as Bear Bryant. Everyone thought he he wouldn't surpass him. So, 
Why not? Well, cautionary tale for all the Bama fans out there. There once was a man that had the third, I believe, had the third best win percentage amongst current head coaches in college football, only behind Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney. And that man was Brian Harson. And when he <laughs> came to take this job at Auburn, he was also kind of from a different part of the country, coming down to the south, thinking that he's just going to come down here and coach up some three stars and just ignore all the high school coaches down here. And that didn't turn out too well. That ended abruptly and quickly. So just a cautionary tale, uh, there, there have been a number of head coaches that have played or even won national championships to only be fired a few years later, you can just talk to any Auburn fan. <laughs> we'll talk about Gene Chizik. Uh, we'll talk about, I mean, just look at Ed Orgeron if you're an LSU fan. What, what happened to him? Uh, so you do have to be careful uh, that just because someone makes it to the game or even or even wins doesn't mean that they're the next Nick Saban. So we will just have to wait and see, I guess. Well, okay, college football is really – changing a lot right now with the yeah. NIL being able to pay players and you see so many more players transferring now yeah. and um 12 team playoff starting next year so right in a way it's going to be easier to get into the mix and yes. potentially have a shot at national championship but it's yes. going to be harder to actually win one because now you've got to play four games to yeah. to win it which is a lot tougher than just playing two yeah or one right. or or in the past, not playing any bowl game, just into <laughs> yeah, the regular season. All right, you're just, our national champion just now. Just wake up on Monday morning and see who won, who won the <laughs> national championship by vote. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I don't know that we'll ever – because it's a different era, I don't know if we'll ever see anyone do what, what Saban or what Bear or Joe Paterno yeah. or any of these coaches in the past have been able to do because – it's, it's just a different – it's kind of a different sport now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you have coaches that will stick around at a school as long as Saban had for, you know, 15 years plus, you know, I think in this day and age, if you win a couple, I'd say you, you did pretty good, you know. I, I don't yeah. think – like you said, I don't think this, this idea that someone can come in and – in their career win six or seven again. I mean, it's just going to be so hard to do that. And like you said, the landscape is so different now than it was 15 years ago. And I think that was part of Saban's departure is what you and I had talked about kind of off air was just, you know, players coming into his office the day after the playoff game. And oh, we need to talk about NIL. We need to talk about money. You know, we need to talk about yeah. – how much it's going to take for me to stay here. And so I think Saban at his age, like we were talking about earlier, he's just like, I can't, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to deal with this. This is basically free agency every year. Yeah. You have to re not only sign a class, but re-sign your team. It feels like, and you know, I think he was just like, I'm kind of done with this. Yeah. I so mean, especially when you've accomplished as much as he's accomplished, why, why would you put up with that kind of stuff? Like insane. Yeah, so I, I, I think it's a it's gonna be a new era of college football. Not and Saban leaving right before the twelve team playoff maybe is a good a nice break from the kind of old or this previous era, the BCS and into the playoff to now we got this expanded playoff where I, 
I think most Alabama fans, not the ones who are on fine bomb, but like the nor- <laughs> the normal Alabama fans, not Roll Tide Willie, but like oh man, <laughs> the normal Alabama fans would say if if we're in if we're in contention for a national championship in November, that's good enough. Right. Like, we don't have to win every year. We just want a yeah. shot. You know, yeah. you want to be. You don't want seasons where you're playing kind of games at the end of the year that don't really matter yeah. except to see whether you're going to go to the Independence Bowl or the Trans Perfect <laughs> Music City Bowl. <laughs> well, you I know about that. Well, I do know about that, and I think, you know, to bring it to Auburn for a second, I think that the frustration for Auburn fans for so many years is not – um, I mean, you know, you, you hate seeing your rivals do so well all the time. And you, you not only has Alabama been good, but Georgia's been really good too. And so, and then to see them play each other in the game is like <laughs> the nightmare of all nightmare scenarios. Um, if you're an Auburn fan, but I think for most Auburn fans, we just want to see a consistency from the football program year in and year out. So we don't expect to, to have that 2010 Cam Newton year, but I think most people would say, can we just consistently win like 10 games a year? Like, is that too much to ask? Why does it have to be this, well, gosh, great year. We made it all the way. We played Florida State in the championship game and lost. And then the next year you win seven games. And that's kind of been the trajectory for for so long has been these high heights and these low lows or mediocrity. Yeah. Um, and I think Auburn just kind of want – they don't want to necessarily see, like, the Saban domination. I think it's just more of, like, can we just win, like, 10 games and probably beat our rivals, like, every other year? Would that be too much to ask to win when we play them at home? I mean, everybody talks about how it's, like, the craziest environment to play in and one of the toughest places. Like, we should be winning these games. We shouldn't be losing these games. Well, what – what are Auburn? How are Auburn fans going to feel about Hugh Freeze if he loses to Kalen DeBoer, <laughs> Alabama coach, next year, or yeah. maybe two years? Is he going to get? Is it going to be easier for him or harder for him? I think this year he gets a pass, even though I, I you know, it's it's his first. It's going to be DeBoer's first year, so you'd like to think, man, we'd like to get him on a year where he's not like he doesn't have all of his dudes yet, and he's still like everything's fresh and new. So you'd like to think, man, if we could still win at Tuscaloosa, but Auburn rarely went. I mean, we used to win at Tuscaloosa uh, back in the day, but not so much anymore. And so um, I I would say in 2025 when the game comes back to Auburn, if we, if Freeze loses that game, I don't I don't know if he'll last after that. I, I know it sounds crazy, but it would be if, assuming he loses this year, it'd be three in a row. And you've got to win the ones at home. Those are the ones you're supposed to win. So I I don't know how much time they'll that will give him if he if he doesn't do well in 2025. Now we've got good recruiting classes coming up, and we just signed a good class. You got to try to hold on to those guys too because they're not going to stick around if you're losing. That, and that's modern day football, man. Yeah, they're gonna jump jump ship. Well, I, things aren't going well. I feel like every team in the SEC right now is kind of licking their chops and saying, yeah. now's the time to yeah. to beat Alabama. Yeah. And then Alabama's still got a lot of talent. Yeah. And when they beat some teams next year, I think there's be some fan bases oh, yeah. mad that's like, 
Well, Saban's gone. Saban's gone. You don't have any excuse for losing now. To exactly. Alabama, yeah. It's true. I mean, I think the, the standard changes a little bit. Because if you lose to Saban, it's like, well, it's Saban. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, uh, you, you had your opportunity this year. You needed to jump on it. And, I, you know, I mean, you've seen it, man. I mean, the portal, all these teams, like, getting Bama players. I mean, everybody's taking as much advantage as possible. And it is that, like Dion was saying with Colorado, you better get us now, you know, which, you know, who knows? I mean, they may be bad next year again, too, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but we yeah I think I think for Auburn it's like okay we've got an opportunity now with the staff that we've assembled some good recruiters uh, to to have an opportunity to not we no longer have to compete with a guy across the state that that walks into a room and flashes all of his rings and then is like look how many guys I put in the NFL yeah so the recruiting pitch changes. And I think that that definitely helps Auburn and several other SEC schools that are going for some of the same players. Okay, so. you, if you had to bet some real money <laughs> uh-huh. four years from now, uh-huh. you had to bet who, who do you, do you think would you bet on Kalen DeBoer still being Alabama head coach or Hugh Freeze still being the Auburn this head coach in four years? This is this is real dangerous. We need to bookmark this. Bring it back up in four years. <laughs> okay. Uh, in four years, so we're talking 2028, right? Yeah. Um, I think uh, this is just, here's the deal. Alabama has had so much success that I think it is going to be very hard for the broader fan base to accept the standard lowering somewhat. And I... I just have this feeling that in four years, DeBoer will not be the head coach anymore at Alabama. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But that if I had to put money on it, I would say then I would be more worried about the next guy, whoever the next guy they bring in is. Because I think the next guy doesn't have the – like, if DeBoer fails, then you bring in a guy and he's like, we're bringing Alabama back to where it was, and then you don't have to deal with the com- the direct comparisons following Saban right after. So you think Auburn, famously long-suffering with their coaches, yes. is still going to have Hugh Freeze in four years. We're turning More it likely around. to have Hugh Freeze. We're turning it around, Grant. And uh, <laughs> we're turning it around. I'm going to put my money on Freeze. I'm going to say that... Uh, Will Auburn this. be done paying Harson's buyout <laughs> in 2020? I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, we'll be done by Gus by that point. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm going to put my money on Freeze. I think he sticks okay. around because I do think next year. I think in 2025, Auburn wins in the Iron Bowl that year. That is my yeah. early onset projection. I think that uh, you know we were just vastly undermanned and under talented this year, and. Uh, weird things happen in that stadium. And I think that could be a saving grace. Now, he's got to figure it out because this whole, like, losing to Maryland and losing to New Mexico State, I'll give him a pass on that. I mean, look, Saban lost to La Monroe in his first year. I'll I'll give Freeze a oh, pass. Oh, is this Freeze's first year? <laughs> this last year? <laughs> yes. Wasn't it? <laughs> dude, I don't even remember, dude. We have so many coaches these last few years. I don't even know if this was Freeze's first year. Uh Yes, it was. 
Um, I I'll give them the pass, but I think this year it's like, okay, dude, we got to win eight or nine games. Uh, we don't necessarily have to get into the playoffs this year, but some things need to start changing. And we need to not only do we need to win those games, the games that we lose, we need to be in contention in those games. Like if we lose to Bama, it needs to be a heartbreaker, I guess. Fourth and thirty-one. Yeah. <laughs> get some of those sweet moral victories. Uh, yes. Well, uh, before we go, this has been probably no one's listening at this point. Uh, if you've stuck around this long, thank you. Super Bowl predictions real quick. This is a sports break or a sports break episode. Tanisha's still listening, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, do you have any predictions? We've got our the conference championships. Sunday is happening this weekend. We've got the Detroit Lions at the San Francisco 49ers, and we've got the Kansas City Chiefs at the Baltimore Ravens. So what's going to happen? Who's going to win the Super Bowl? So I've been a Chiefs fan longer than I've been an Alabama fan. I was born in Missouri. Really? Um, oh, yeah. When, wow, so, dude. Born in Missouri, lived in New Mexico, but back in when when Joe Montana was on the Chiefs oh for a little bit, goodness. I was a, like, and in New Mexico, there's no college football, so it's it's all pro. But So I was, I've been a big Chiefs fan for a long time, uh, but I just, I don't think they got it this year. I'm going to have to go with the, I think the Ravens, are going to beat them. Ravens are going to beat the Chiefs. Um, okay. And I I think the uh, Lions are going to win. I think they're going to make yeah. it. And then I think the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl. Wow. So Ravens beat the Lions in the Super Bowl yeah. and crush their fans' hopes of like – the, the Lions are just I I don't know if they're going to be the 49ers or not. That's they it would just be funner if they did. Now they've never won, right? Or, or did they win one a long time ago? Cuz I know I this remember. was like their first home playoff game since like the early 90s, I think, yeah. last weekend. Yeah. And they've just so, been bad for so long. So long. And they had Barry Sanders. They yeah. had like one of the greatest running backs yeah. ever and they were still bad. It would just be fun to see them in the Super Bowl. That that could be cool. That could be cool. Um, I yeah, I've been saying all along that I, I've been pulling for Lamar Jackson. I like the Ravens a lot. I think it would be cool to see them win. So I, I'm actually going to say Ravens versus 49ers in the Super Bowl, which is not that crazy of a prediction because they're both one seeds. So it's like they both were the best teams. It's not a crazy, crazy out there outlandish thing. Um, I'm gonna say the Ravens win, though. I think they're I think they're good, and I want to see Lamar Jackson win one. Well, every I definitely want the Chiefs to just you know I don't hate the Chiefs, but this whole like Taylor Swift thing has just been this has been a bit much. <laughs> we we need to stop it. And such a hater. I saw somebody say uh, the NFL the NFL is gonna rig this thing so that Eminem and Taylor Swift are at the Super Bowl together because you had Detroit and Kansas City. Let's put them both on the team. Let's <laughs> have Taylor Swift lining up at, at safety for for the Chiefs versus Eminem at tight end or something. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, dude, the Chiefs, uh, the Bills, the poor Bills, you got to feel for that, that yeah. franchise. Yeah. Just disaster after disaster. Well, to, to tie it all back it's, in. It's worse than Auburn, dude. Yeah. It's rare that you've... Yeah. It's rare that you get like a team that's that has that many disappointments, but it's worse. Well, to tie, tie it all back together, every single um, team left in contention in the NFL has a former Alabama player on it. So, no matter what, Alabama Shocker. wins. Uh huh. Uh huh. Auburn's some out of somebody plays. There's one player from Auburn. in the NFL. No, I think, yeah. 
on one of the four remaining teams. There were several for the Buccaneers. I was kind of hoping they were going to win the other night, but uh, it is what it is. Um, yeah, who does what, what? Do you know some of the players offhand who they are? Um, the Lions have Any, a lot. They have uh, Jameson Williams, um, Jamar oh, wow. Gibbs. Oh yeah, Gibbs. Um, yeah, I saw him the other night. Uh, yeah. Brian Branch. Okay. Um, the Chiefs have Isaiah Bugs. Okay. Um, and I think he's just practice squad though, so that yeah. only kind of sort of counts. Right. Um, I forget who it is on the other teams, but I know yeah. they all have at least one. Yeah. Well, no, no quarterbacks. They all lost. So that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> there was this funny. Uh, there was this Auburn guy that like tweeted out one day, and it was like it was like some Sunday where Jalen Hurts lost, Mag Jones lost. Bryce Young and uh, two, they all lost, and Jared Stidham won a game and for the Broncos. <laughs> so like, Did you guys go roll like, Tumor's Corner? <laughs> yeah, prob- probably so. Probably so. Well, uh, all right. Cool. This was fun. Grant, thank you for being a good sport. Oh, yeah. Coming on here, trading some barbs is good. <laughs> so it's all in fun. Oh, gosh, I forgot the Iron Bowl of basketball is tonight. It's tonight. I'm not going to jinx anything, so I'm not going to give any <sighs> predictions. I think it's just going to be a close mm. game. I'm just going to keep it there. I don't think there. it's going to be close. I think You don't think it's going to be a I close think, game? I think Auburn is going to win by 10 again. Uh, so you're just trying to jinx us now. That's I'm not trying happening. to jinx. This is not a like reverse you're jinx to, you're thing. You're trying to reverse I, jinx. I, I'm not. I really think. I, Auburn's got. I, I will give it to you guys. You got a really good basketball team this year. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that. Um, both teams are highly ranked in the Ken Palm. So if you follow the Ken Palm rankings, like I do, I don't pay for the subscription because that's way too much. But Ken Palm, Bama's highly ranked in the Ken Palm. I think you finally just lost Tanisha on talking about <laughs> talking about Ken Palm. <laughs> I think Bama's eighth and Auburn's fifth. So I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, it'll be a lot yeah. of fun. Are you going? I'm not going. You're not going. No, it's a tough ticket, apparently. Yeah, it got it got crazy. I think once once they once Auburn like continued on their run, I think it's yeah. just nice that you know Coleman could get sold out for once. <laughs> okay, Coleman is actually sold out for the remaining home games. Oh, good, good. But, I'm glad. Uh, That's good. They're also they're giving the uh, Iron Bowl trophy out tonight. So, oh, right. Like the football right. uh, I um, trophy yeah, tonight. So that's a football with yeah, Alabama fans. Yeah, it's, you can't. It, Auburn <laughs> does the same thing. So, are they going to announce? Did they announce DeBoer at the game he, this he's, week? He's already been announced at one. He came. I don't know. He's out on the road recruiting. So who knows? He better be. He doesn't know anybody down here. That's for sure. All right. At least he didn't pull like a, a Brian Kelly and try to fake a, a Southern accent or anything. Family. <laughs> Family. We're all family. What? Did you just put a B in the word family? What are you, what are you doing oh, down here? Oh, gosh. All right. Thanks for listening to Shades Midweek. We will never do this again. So uh, unless you Freeze goes on a historic run <laughs> over the next 20 years, and we're all still here at Shades, for, and we still have this podcast, then we'll do it again. I demand uh, to be on for that episode. If you want to email in, email us at midweekatshadesvalley.org. We thank you all for listening. Much love. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming next week. Thanks so much for listening.